For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with a power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love. And that is Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Bridge Radio. And we're coming at you from the great state of Texas. I am your host, A.W. Varilla. And Steve Den Hartog, the president, he, he is out. He is up north. Uh, he's been up north uh, running around, uh, I'm sure, like Wisconsin, Michigan, uh, maybe maybe Illinois, maybe Chicago. I don't know. Uh, I haven't talked to him in a little bit. But uh, he is doing, doing the Lord's work uh, up there, and uh, he's visiting family. He's getting some things for uh, the new location, the new building, which uh, I want to give an update. Man, the building is moving real, real quickly. Um, I hope that you guys have been going on to bridgemanlaredo.org or visiting uh, us on our social media to see the updates. Uh, I was there a couple weeks ago. We were getting drywall um, uh, delivered to the place, and I believe that it's uh, being installed now. So super excited uh, that that is coming together, and uh, hopefully here in the next couple of months. Uh, we'll have the new location up and ready to go and we're gonna make a big deal of it of course because uh, we couldn't do this first without God and two, he he used people to donate to the ministry to go ahead and purchase a new location and again uh, uh, we couldn't do it without you guys through God uh, and we really appreciate everybody who uh, was helping out in uh, that cause and 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 I and, and I know this for sure that uh, people are people are gonna be blessed because we're in a big facility i'm excited that we are near the university uh so i'm looking forward to see just a, a more young uh people come to a bridge and and let the god let god do his work there um please don't forget to uh subscribe to apple android google and stitcher radio and please visit our website at bridgemenlaredo.org and check us out also on spotify um, guys, things have just been absolutely crazy, um, and with this whole Omicron, Omicron virus, uh, it has definitely uh, affected us uh, as well. Um, you know, it's just kind of put a damper on how we can do podcasts right now with our guests, and and but. I promise we're still here, uh, and hopefully this starts letting up so we can get back to a more regular schedule uh, program. I'm glad that you guys are still listening. I love it. Um, if you guys didn't check out the last episode with uh, Tim Challies, episode uh, 174, uh, please check out that podcast. But today, we are going to be bringing in uh, Dr. Daniel Strange. Uh, on his book, Making Faith Magnetic, um, and it's by the Good Book Company. So we are looking forward to dive in in his book, and I'm really excited um, uh, about this podcast because uh, he was referred uh, by our good friend of the ministry, Dr. Steve Leston, 
uh, president of To Every Tribe. So um, uh, I'm really glad that he connected us together. But uh, it was really good to uh, uh, read the book. Um, and uh, Doctor Strange will uh, um, have a a chance to just uh, you know break down his book. So we're super excited. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get this podcast started. Daniel Strange is the director of Crossland Forum, a center for cultural engagement and mission, and author of several books, including Plugged In. Formerly, he was a director of Oak Hill Theological College in London. He is married to Ellie and his seven kids. Welcome, Dr. Daniel Strange, to Bridge Radio for the first time. I'm delighted to be here, Abraham. Thank you for the invite. It's great to be with you. I am calling from Gateshead, which is about two and a half hours north of London. So that's I'm at the top of England. We've moved from London. So that's where I'm speaking to you from today. Well, our brothers and sister in England are going to be excited that I have an English author on, which we've had before. And, uh, you know, we see we see the numbers when that happens, you know, the, the <laughs> listenership up there. So, um uh, before we begin, uh, uh, Daniel, um, one of the things that I was asking you uh, before we got this podcast started is that you have a doctorate, you have a PhD, and I was like, I was like, hey, do people ever call you Doctor Strange from the Marvel movies? And you began to tell me a little story about that. So can you please just unpack that a little bit? Because I think our, 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 our listeners are just curious because that was the first thing that our good friend, uh, Stephen Leston, Dr. Stephen Leston, you know, I told him, I was like, oh, like Dr. Stephen Strange from Marvel. And he just started laughing. Yeah, you know, so like, three, here's a go here, Abraham. Three <laughs> amazing facts. Firstly, my middle name is Stephen. <laughs> Did you guys uh, hear that? That is true right there. <laughs> that is true. Second, my wife is a doctor as well, so she's a Doctor Strange. <laughs> and thirdly, and here's the most amazing thing, my dad uh, was from South America originally, from Guyana, and he chose the name Strange when he came to the UK. So his name was Prashad, and for some reason, it wasn't because of the Marvel character. Yeah, yeah. He chose the name Strange. So, I, I mean, you know, it's very funny why you'd choose the name Strange. So there you go. It's not only it's Doctor Strange with kind of extra bits as well. They're the extras. They're the outtakes. But there you go. <laughs> well, you know the the uh, the character who plays Doctor Strange. He's English, right? Um, yes, he is. He is. And if you and here you go. If you buy the audio book of the book we're talking about today, Making Faith Magnetic, they've um. The, if you listen right to the very end, they asked me to put in a little um a little homage to the Marvel character movie. So that, that's an incentive to buy the book yeah. to hear a little bit right at the end. I, I won't give the game away, but if you buy the audio book right at the end, I had to read out a little bit of script. So there you go. I think this is probably, you're, you're going to be the first author that everybody's going to remember just because of your name. Yeah, and it's going to be like, so yeah. So I, 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 I hope we see an uptick in sales guys after uh, this podcast, because you won't forget the name, Dr. Daniel, strange so uh uh so daniel uh can we're going to be talking about your book making faith magnetic by the good book uh the good book company but before we begin we always ask our our guests 
How did the Lord draw you to saving faith? Tell us a little bit about yourself and how the the Lord drew you to saving faith. Yeah, so it's really, for, I mean, partly from my background. So my dad uh, was from Guyana in South mm. America. So he had a kind of Hindu background, came to the UK, married my mum. My mum was an Anglican, but there was no youth work at the church. So we went to the local Baptist church. And there's a there's an organization or a uniformed organization here called the Boys Brigade, which is a kind of a, uh, you know, you have, to, yeah, it's, I don't know how, how, what the state's equivalent would be. And so I was converted through that and uh, um, uh, came to faith when I was 16, got baptized. And then I think because of my dad's background, my in terms of Hinduism and other religions, I was really interested in theology. And so I went to university and did a degree in theology. And then uh, I stayed on to do a PhD in um, answering the question or looking at the question, what what happens to people who never hear the gospel? That was my PhD thesis. Mm. Um, and then I've ended up in this kind of area of cultural engagement. But that's how, how I came to faith. Yeah. So th- through the Boys Brigade when I was uh, 16 um, in, in, a, in, in the town that I was born, which was very near London. Oh, wow. Well, thank you for that. So uh, as we start diving in, diving in, in the book, um, can we just talk about what made you write this book? What were you, what were, what were you going through? And you're like, Hey, like, and, and, and I know that you've written other book and, and yeah. so what led you to write uh, this book, making faith magnetic? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, so my interest, I suppose my academic background has been, what is Christianity's relationship to other religions? And that's mm. been, I've been interested in that for a long time. Mm. And there's a particular thinker who I kind of uh, based the work on in the book. And he's a guy called J.H. Bavink. So some of you, if you know your theologians, there's a very, very famous theologian called Herman Bavink. Mm-hmm. And this was his nephew. So he was a, a missionary, J.H. Bavink. He was a missionary in Indonesia, then called Java in the 1940s and 50s and i found his work really helpful in engaging other religions and he has a particular framework um, the the magnetic points which we'll talk about Mm -hmm. and so as i started to work out what does it mean to reach western culture secular culture post-christian culture especially in the uk and i think you know i think that that's fast happening in the us as well yeah um how could we use the tools that this guy Bavink had given us to help us engage culture and try and understand culture and connect culture to Christ? So the book is kind of teaching material that I've been doing at seminary for many years. Mm. And um, after my book plugged in, which was a kind of an apologetic for why we need to engage culture, this is the kind of the next step. It gives a definite framework as to how we can understand culture, engage it from a theological perspective, and then try and um, bring Christ to bear on the culture. So that's the background. It's from teaching teaching material, but really it's translating um, this approach to other religions and saying, well, the same approach can be made, can be contextualized for our Western context. And um, and I want to just park it right here because you live in England, right, where I think that there are there are just things going on there that have been going on just where um, you might, and, and, and please correct me because I'm not too familiar with some of this stuff, but um, do you see that there might be more of a suppression of Christianity with maybe other religions like um, Muslims or, or anything like that, that maybe we wouldn't see here in the States? 
Yeah, so I think probably, well, I mean, it, I mean, the thing I'm learning about the States is that it's so vast in terms mm. of different areas like East yes. Coast, West Coast, what it means, city, rural. I think in the UK, uh, there, in the in the major, major cities, I mean, there is a lot of multiculturalism in terms of different other religions mm. that probably mix quite a lot. Okay. And, and some don't, but some do. Um, I think, though, probably we're, and again, I'd use the word advisedly, kind of more secular in that um, I still sense that even though in the States it's fast disappearing, yes. there is still a kind of a Christian history and a Christian residue. Yes. Um, if, even in terms of things like people, what they say they believe, or even church attendance, probably. In the UK, I think we're far more we're far more gone in terms of a secular situation. But mm. again, secular meaning a disenchantment, um, the idea of uh, a kind of what Charles Taylor calls an exclusive humanism being the, in the ascendant disenchantment, but not completely. I still think, I mean, you can't, um, you can't suddenly obliterate 2000 years of history, which has shaped Western culture and, and, and the UK. So I think there's a kind of a, there's a react rejection of it, but even the rejection of it is still, we're still, I think very very Christian in terms of in certain areas. Um, But I, I think in terms of people who would say that they believe or that there are Christians, it would be a, it would be a smaller and smaller population here. Got it. Got it. Well, thank you for that. So uh, why don't we start off in the first chapter of your book? Uh, you have it titled the way of head are in, and, and I like how you begin here. You are on another planet. Uh, can we just talk about that chapter a little bit and, and just kind of expound what, what's happening? Yeah. As yeah. I mean, let, let me just use one example from that chapter. There's a great film that I um, that won awards a few years ago called Free Solo, the climber Alex Honnold, who kind of climbs El, El Capitan uh, in Yosemite Park. Mm. And um, the, the amazing thing about that climb is that there are bits of where he's climbing where it looks as if he's like Spider-Man. There's nothing to hold on to, and he's kind of using all these different techniques to get traction to climb this particular part. And I try and liken that to the fact that I think many of us are struggling to get traction, to understand our culture, to connect with it. People don't seem interested. They're not interested in spiritual things. They're not interested in us talking about God. It's not even even as if they're they're against it in that you could get some kind of reaction. People just, there's no connection. Mm. And so the book is is about how do we get traction with people who are not interested in what we want to say but how do we do that in such a way that we're also tethered to scripture so we don't completely kind of lose it and you know we, we need the security or we need to be able to um have the grounding of what the bible says so that you're on another planet is i think the reaction that lots of people have to what we might want to say and how do we present the gospel or the christian worldview in a way that really gets traction with where people are at in the particular cultural moment that we find ourselves. So that's what chapter one's about. That's what that opening chapter is about. It's kind of setting the scene as to how we might, we might do that. Yeah. And and I really appreciate that. Um, And, and, and where do you think that uh, we might as, as Christians have gotten this wrong, you know, in, in, in the sense of like how we, do engage the culture in that way oh yeah i mean i think that we've presumed that everyone has a christian worldview Mm -hmm. 
in in a in an explicit sense. And again, the book will say that in some senses everyone is religious. But I I always make the I mean in the illustration that in our context anyway, if you imagine a scale of one to ten, and one is some is someone who knows nothing about Christianity. 10 is people who are virtually near conversion and you're doing an evangelistic course with them. I think in our in our context, a lot of Christians think that most people are at a six and a seven when they're at a two or a three. And I think we've presumed a lot. Um, and culture is so kind of mixed and diverse and there's so many different ways of viewing the world that we're really confused. It's really hard to understand what's going on from a Christian point of view, let alone engage, let alone get this traction that we're talking about. Mm. And, and, and that's happened over a long period of time. So I think we find ourselves now where Christians are not in the ascendancy where we're we're reactive we don't know how to understand it and we don't know how to engage theologically with the world um and so that's the situation that i think we find ourselves in yeah yeah for sure um i i really as we start getting into it we're going to be talking about uh some of the magnetic points uh and, and in chapter one uh you're, you're kind of setting that up for the reader and I really appreciate and, and um, page 16, you say the five magnetic points are the longing of our own hearts, not just the hearts of those around us. So as we learn to identify them, understand them and apply the gospel to them, we'll, uh, we'll be more excited about Jesus ourselves and we'll be better equipped yeah. to share it with others. That was just so well put. And I, yeah, I, yeah. In, uh, I mean, in, in some ways, and this is not, uh, I maybe shouldn't say this in terms of the publisher. So the, the <laughs> book has been kind of marketed as an evangelistic book, really. This is mm. a book on how to do evangelism and apologetics in our culture, which it is. But in some ways, it's more, it's firstly a book about discipleship, mm. whereby we need to apply the framework, I think, or our, we need to be engaging with culture in our own hearts in a positive way or a faithful way. And then as we are more drawn to Jesus, so naturally we become more evangelistic. I mean, I'm, I make this illustration at the end of the book that this distinction between, I think we often think of our lives as a pie chart where we have little bits where we say, you know, there's a section called evangelism and I need to do evangelism. I need to do church. I need to do leisure time. I need to eat. I need to work. Um, and we can compartmentalize our lives like that. Mm. Whereas actually as disciples, followers of Jesus, our lives are like a flow diagram. You know, as I as I fall more in love with Jesus, as I understand him more, as the gospel goes deeper into my heart, then naturally then I will be more evangelistic and apologetic because I want to talk about him. So it's not so, in that sense, evangelism isn't, I mean, it is something we do, but it's not something we do. It's something we are. We, we live it, don't we? We, we yeah. witness to Christ. Yeah. And so as we follow Jesus along the way, then we have opportunities to invite others to follow that way as well. So don't, I mean, the book is about discipleship yeah. as much as it is about um, an evangelistic tool or framework. Um, it's a much more organic understanding, I hope. Yeah, no, I really like how you say, you know, our lives are like a flow chart, you know, instead of a pie chart, because that's true, right? Like, 
as we we begin to love God and understand him more, these things are the outcome or the results yeah. of us and our growth and our spiritual growth, which yeah. I never even thought about it that way. And this is why you're you're Doctor Strange and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the superhero here. You're Come the on. super yeah, you're the superhero <laughs> here. Um um I really like that if we can move on here uh yeah. before we get into the magnetic points again, I do want to touch on chapter two because I love the title of it when you're like the cosmic game of hide and seek. Um, and can you just, again, just talk a little bit about yeah, that, sure. j- that chapter? And, and, and I just, we're, we're trying to set up here just the, the beginning here uh, of the book because, you know, normally it, it, it's going to, when somebody's reading and, you know, they're like, well, yeah, like, well, I want to know what else is going on after this. So I was, yeah. I wanted to be purposeful in, 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 yeah, in sure. it. <laughs> so, I mean, it's really, it's, I mean, it's very easy to understand. Yeah. Um, I would hope all of the readers both both sides of the pond would understand the game of hide and seek <laughs> yeah. and in the cosmic game of hide and seek the the western world i think from the enlightenment probably they view the game of hide and seek as being god has hidden and we've been looking for him and we've looked we've it's been an honest search an earnest search we can't mm. find him um and we've looked everywhere whereas actually it's the other way around god has revealed himself and th- there's a big exposition here of um Romans 1 especially, God has revealed himself, he's made himself manifest, he's made himself known. We're the ones who are hiding, but God is the best seeker. So it's a really a play on that kind of image of who are the participants, who's, 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 uh, who are the participants in this game of hide and seek? What roles have we got? And then there is a kind of an exposition of Romans 1, and especially, and again, you have to go to the book to see how I work it mm, out, yeah. what Paul means when he says, God has revealed in all of creation, including ourselves, his the invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. And I think we are hardwired, all human beings are hardwired for dependence and accountability. Mm. And even though we suppress the truth, the knowledge of God, we substitute it for other things, we're always worshipping beings who at some level are dependent and accountable. And really, the rest of the book is a is a way of unpacking what that means it's saying no matter how far we suppress the truth we still are made in god's image accountable to him and dependent upon him and that has to kind of show itself in the way in 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 the lives that all human beings live and really that's where we get our traction as we try and work out how people are expressing that in the different ways in which they're worshiping not the living god now but the things that we put in the way of God, which the Bible calls idolatry. Because uh, was it uh, Calvin who said that we are idol factories? Please correct me. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and, and 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 that's really interesting how you put how you put it. And even a question that you ask in your book on page twenty one, you're like, "Do you remember the first game of hide and seek?" And and and, 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 and I'm assuming what we're, we're we're talking about here is you're you're trying to get the re- reader to realize, like you said earlier, that he's revealed himself, right? Yeah. And 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 I'm just thinking of all the people that I've encountered who were just like, "Where's God in all this?" or uh, "Is there a God?" and 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 I'm just like, "Wow!" Like, yeah, he has revealed himself. And because yeah. and, and the people that don't know the truth, they suppress his truth, as Romans says. And 
And, and again, we fill our lives with those things that should be filled with Christ, with God, and yeah. we make idols. Yeah. And, um, and what I was just thinking about this, um, and having a conversation with a friend, um, who we're talking about sports, um, and, and just in this specific topic, um, before, you know, the Lord drew himself to me, um, sports was my idol. It was my God. It was it was very religious Sunday, I, Sunday, you know, I'm putting on yeah. all the, all the Chicago yeah. bears gear. I'm, you know, you know, I'm like, I'm hoping, you know, getting up super early, like getting everything ready, you know, like there was a ritual to that, which yeah, now looking back, I was like, Oh my, not that there's anything wrong with sports, no, but, no. No, but, no, no. but, but that was an idol and I was replacing God in that. And I was just yeah. like, wow. And, yeah. And I mean, what we're doing in this first chapter, again, this isn't necessarily the conversations you have with people. What mm. we're talking about is a theological error. Yes, so, I mean, yes, yes. The worst, the worst thing you can say to an atheist is, no, you know, don't you? But we know that they know. So people, people suppress and they find all different ways to do it. Our ways to kind of tease out the fact that they are committed to things, they worship things, they have hopes and dreams, they have ultimate commitments, which is another way of talking about idolatry. Mm. And yeah, you're right. I think it's talking about the the lived rituals or the way that the priorities that we make. Yeah. Um, and it all, you know, and uh, I don't know whether it's, the, I can't remember where it is in the book, but again, as well as the Romans 1 passage, there's obviously going back to Acts 17, where Paul wanders around the objects of worship and says, people of Athens, I see you're very religious. And that religious mm. word, really. So the, the chapter is really, at the end of the day, and we know this, don't we? People are very complicated and messy. Mm. And there's a theological messiness to everyone. Pe Romans 1 says people know, but we know that they're ignorant as well. Yeah. They're running to God, but they're running away from God at the same time. And I think that messiness means that the way that we try and then try and um, communicate the gospel has to recognize that in, in some ways. People know, people, God is constantly revealing himself. We are constantly suppressing. And there's this divine human dance going on. And uh, But that gives us an encouragement because it does mean that the person who... I mean, even though people can suppress and they can suppress deeply, we might need to do like heavy lifting work, the deep excavation mm. to be done here, which might take a lifetime of relationship. But while they are made in God's image, while they are human, they can never suppress the truth fully or else they would have an excuse. And Romans 1 says people don't have an excuse yeah. because they know. Yeah. And that's that kind of paradox that, that we're dealing with. And really the rest of the book flows out of what it means, mm. therefore, for us to be dependent and accountable. Um, and that's where this magnetic points ideas come, comes in. And, and do you think that, um, I, I really appreciate you saying that it can take a lifetime. I think sometimes we are very impatient as, as humans, of course, and also as believers where, you know, um, you know, even within discipleship, um, sometimes a, uh, sometimes, and I'm not saying all right, because I don't know, but uh, we can easily get frustrated with as a discipler to the disciple, disciple Lee, where yes. we feel that they're not at the place that we think that they should <laughs> be after, you know, and we're just like, oh, man, like, why don't you get it? You know, and, and I'm just thinking about the sanctification work of the Holy Spirit, that some people are going to move along this process uh, a lot 
you know, sooner or later, but they'll still are sticking with it yeah. because they're safe. And then, yeah. and the patient... and people, look, I mean, I, I've, I've said that the cultural situation that we find ourselves in is that people are very fragile when it comes to their beliefs because mm. there's so many different options. Mm. People are suspicious. They're suspicious of, suspicious of authority. Mm, they're suspicious yes. of all kinds of like, you know, ways in which they think <laughs> Christianity is. So there's a lot of work to do in terms of building people's trust and slowly kind of, um, yeah, gaining people's trust for them to be able to talk about their deepest longings and desires. And that's where it takes, you can't, you know, sometimes you can do that sitting on a bus or, a, you know, whatever, but often it is in the relationship over a lot, a lot of time where there is trust between two people where you can start to talk about these things. Mm, yeah. And, and I, and I think that's, and I think, um, that's really huge because uh, trust is, I believe, in is build up when you are sharing uh, as uh, our pra- pastor friends down in Harlem General say, uh, life on life discipleship. You yeah. know, yeah, uh, that becomes uh, very very important to build that yeah. trust to be able to speak in their lives. Um, yeah. and and yeah, so. So let's move on to let's talk about yes. some of the magnetic points as we're leading yes. up to it. Uh, which one would you like to start off with? Yeah. So can I just say, I mean, so the magnetic points. So this guy J H Bavink, he looks at the religious traditions around him and he says, "Look, everyone's saying different things, but there seem to be some similarities. Mm. Human beings seem to ask the same questions or gra- gravitate to the same areas, pull to the same areas." So mm. he talks about these magnetic points, which are really you know, again, you can't compartmentalize them. They're all perspectives on the one person. But in the book, I deal with them step by step. So there's, I've given them new names. And mm. so there's five of them. There's uh, totality. Uh, is there a way to connect? There's norm. Is there a way to live? There's d- deliverance. Is there a way out? There's destiny. Is there a way we control? And there's a higher power. Is there a way beyond? So each chapter takes one of the magnetic points. Now, mm. When Bavink was writing, he gives examples of these from Hinduism and Buddhism and Islam. What I've done, or I've got people, my my students over the years and other churches where I've taught this, is people have sent me in examples of when I've given them the framework, I then give some examples of what these look like in our Western culture, our Mm. secular culture. But really, the idea is is that you take the framework and then you say, what does it mean for Abraham where you are? What does it mean for you know, people in their own context. So uh, this is where the kind of, I can give you my examples for people to get going in culture, but people need to be working. What do these, how do these, if these are kind of itches that people have to scratch, Mm. where's the particular itch in your culture where they, people are living out these magnetic points. Again, they're not thinking about them, but we believe the Bible says that they are living them out because as human beings, we can't but, but, give a response to them in the way that that we live. So each chapter, the first bit of the book, it has one magnetic point per chapter. And then I give a number of my own examples with a view to say, thinking, can you think of examples in your own context? Yes, because uh, uh, for for us, we are a border town, right? Uh, This is a a 98 percentile uh, Spanish community, which... You know, there's really not a lot of uh, cultural diversity here, right? As maybe you would find in in London or where you're at, yeah. Or even in Chicago, but, where I'm from, yeah. you know, yeah. where it's a melting pot of just different cultures, which so, I really appreciate how you do that. 
So the question becomes, I mean, let's take an example. Let's take this first magnetic point, totality. Is there a way to connect? Mm -hmm. It's this idea that all of us, in some ways, want to be connected to something bigger. Mm. When we're not connected to something bigger, we just feel insignificant. But when we find significance through belonging, and it's been really interesting, like if you come from a more rural situation, the way that you belong is connection. It's through family. It's through the land. Um, if you're in other contexts, the connection could be through, you know, trying to find your family tree or trying to find the person who completes you or going to a pride parade mm. or Comic-Con uh, or, you know, that I give loads of different examples. But it's this idea that we want to connect. I mean, during lockdown for us, as stadiums have been closed or sports events have been closed, why, what is it about being together and doing something rather than just being by ourselves? So the idea of totality is that we want to connect. And when we're not connected, we feel insignificant. But when we connect with something bigger, um, we feel part of, we feel significant. And that's what that point is about. And the question is, what does that mean in your context? How do mm. how do people find belonging and connectivity where you are? That's the question. And and do you believe this is why we have seen an increase in depression, anxiety, suicide during this time of COVID? Because there has been a a, a isolation at times um, with it because we are people who want to connect, and it makes yeah. And it also makes me think about just people that don't know God, like you said. Uh, you know, th they want to connect something, so hobby that they all have a commonality with, like you know, Comic Con. You know, we we're just talking about you know comics. You being the second Doctor Strange. Uh, but, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but and, even East, I mean, and again, to give an example, let's go. Let, let's just jump to another the magnetic points. This idea of destiny. Mm. So the idea here is that again. We struggle as human beings to, to, it's this idea, are we in charge of our lives? Do we have freedom or are we, is it fate? Are we just kind of puppets? And we, we always kind of struggle to work out which is true. And again, I think, you know, I'll give you an example that actually isn't in the book, but one that I've been dealing with, talking to students, like um, people who are coming up to university, college, mm. and the reason why many of them at the moment are anxious and there is a lot of kind of, anxiety and mental illness one of the reasons is they've been told from an early age you can be who you want to be you can change the world you know you can do it and then they suddenly realize as they're growing up that they can't they can't they don't they can't affect change they're just a small car what, what can they do and they become disillusioned um and so it's that that wrestling between bavink has this great line that line that we both lead our lives and undergo our lives and that idea of fate versus freedom, that idea of destiny, I think is I think that's very true for lots of people. Some people, we like to think that we're kind of, I'm the master of my own destiny. Mm. And yet at other times we just think, I can't do anything. I'm just kind of, there's other external forces that are kind of, it's the government, it's my genes, it's, uh, it's my family. Um, I'm, I'm just kind of stuck. And I think that's a, a wonderful tension that, that many people just can't shake. Um, and that's that idea of destiny. It, it, is there a way we control? So that's another of the magnetic points that speaks into some of the, might give an, partly an explanation to some of the phenomena that, that we see at the moment. I'm just thinking that just leaves a lot of room for just opportunity for a gospel conversation, yeah. right? 
Yes, yes. So having so again, you need to go and read the book. But having yes. laid out the <laughs> having laid out the five magnetic points, the last bit of the book or the the kind of the before the end chapter mm-hmm. is then saying, okay. We've described the magnetic points that everyone is responding to. Um, how then do we connect Jesus to this? Um, and here, the the big model, and this is um, I, I lay this out in my previous book, plugged in, but I, I, I repeat it here. It's this idea of subversive fulfilment. So the gospel both confronts and connects. Um, so one Corinthians one. Um, we preach Christ crucified, you know, um, you know, it's foolishness to Jews and Greeks. Greeks look for um, uh, wisdom, Jews look for power. But Paul still says that Jesus is power and wisdom, but just in the opposite way that they expected. So this idea of subversive fulfillment is that the gospel always confronts a culture, but it also connects to a culture. So with the magnetic points, it's how does Jesus both connect with the magnetic points? How is he the answer? But how does he kind of turn people's expectations upside down? So what we need to do is expose the magnetic point. So, for example, you know, um, it's realizing that if we think finding the one romantic relationship that will solve all our problems, we gently need to show people that that's not the case. Or you're, when you were supporting the Chicago Bears, I'm sure when you're with people, um, that's great. But uh, can they... Are they going to do what everything that you want, you need them to do in terms of life's meaning? Or are they going to help you? You know, it's those kinds of questions to expose the idolatry and then show, well, look, let's talk about a different community. Let's talk about the church. Let's talk about how Jesus is the one who delivers us, how Jesus has control. He is sovereign. And yet we still have responsibility. Um, So... The, the 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 last bit of the book is saying for each of the magnetic points how does jesus both confront and connect in a way that then um yeah is is gets traction with where people are at so it's really just bringing the gospel to bear on where people are at and the particular ways in which they manifest their lives and the magnetic points so that that's what the second half of the book's about and we know that jesus has the answers right yeah yes but yeah but jesus has the answers not in a a contextless way that's the thing i mean yes i I mean i'm very i mean you know there's no shock i hope to readers or listeners to the podcast that jesus is going to be the answer but where we have to do the hard work and this is where I, i i do get frustrated is that if it's a kind of contextless gospel message Mm. or a a generic one it doesn't bite it doesn't get traction the question the issue here is how do you contextualize christ crucified in a way that because you know the going back to that one one corinthians one passage jews look for um, jews look for power so paul doesn't say oh he he connects the way that jesus is power with that cultural narrative greeks they're looking for something else so what is your um american in texas or in mexico in 2022 where are the objects of worship and how do we at a very contextual level um, show how Jesus is the one who answers the way in which we're showing these magnetic points? And that's been the challenge, I think. That's the challenge of the book. It's to say, mm. read the book, but I don't have the answers because I, I don't know everything about every person or every context in the world. But I, you do. You, you come from a particular context. You know your people. So this might be a helpful framework for you in your discipleship and evangelism to be able to say, hey, look, yeah, I can see how 
this magnetic point framework helps me as I'm trying to understand and then engage the culture around me. But it will be different for where I am to where you are to where someone in China is. Yes. Um, yeah. And do you think that we have kind of uh, made that uh, in the church like, oh, what well, works? Well, and I'm even thinking about missions and, and, and our good friend, uh, Steve of where, uh, you know, we've had talked about that, uh, maybe in the past mission agencies have said what works here in, let's say South America is going to work. The same methods are going to work in, let's say, uh, some remote place in, in, in Russia or whatever. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and, and we have kind of maybe gotten lazy in, and saying, hey, no, we need to really talk about this and in, in, in context. And 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 I, I guess Definitely. I'm having a hard a hard yeah. time articulating yeah. that in my brain. It's it's. But um, no, no. I, well, I think it's two things. We are on the one hand, we either I can I'm going to say under contextualize, but really hmm. we don't. We we think that our culture is the way that the gospel is best expressed, and everyone has to kind of conform to our culture, hmm. and we forget the diversity of the way of the, that God has made different cultures. So we need to contextualize. On the other hand, we can over, so we can under contextualize or we can over contextualize. And there we kind of, at the end, the end of that, you just lose the gospel. Mm. We become syncretistic. We think that the gospel fit fills the cracks. Um, and, you know, I, I, I would hope that everything that I'm saying here in the book, the theological framework is for me, from my background, I, you'd just call it good reformed theology. So I, you know, yeah. I'm confessionally reformed, yeah, but in a way that I hope is able to contextualize that theology for the situation that we're in. I think that's what's so great about Bavink. And here's here's the interesting thing, Abraham, that I think Bavink was very influential in the teaching of Harvey Conn at Westminster. Mm. And Harvey Conn, of course, was very influential in the, the teaching of Tim Keller. Mm. So there's a kind of a lineage. All this there's, there's a family, I think, here of wanting to say Reformed theology um, and the doctrines of grace and the, the understanding of the gospel and the sovereignty of God and all those wonderful things, the solas of the Reformation, are true. But we have to contextualize them in a way that is gets traction within the culture but this is this framework gives us the theology to do that it's saying people do know um people are living out these magnetic points and so that's where i think the the goal is to not under contextualize but not mm. over contextualize yeah that finding that balance is always a difficult part right um yeah and uh and we appreciate that tim keller uh forwarded your book so uh as you were you were talking about him um you know we are we're getting at uh, almost the, the 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 time to land this plane so um i'm going to ask you one more question before uh, you can share the gospel with our worldwide audience what do you hope um uh, and, and you kind of just touched on it a little bit here towards the end, but uh, what's your hope for the reader? You know, so somebody's listening here across the pond. Uh, what's the hope for the reader as they read your book um, that they they finish your book, you know, and the execution of these things that you have put in front of them, you know, giving the uh, the magnetic points. What do you think? Uh, how how would you explain to the to the listener yeah. out there? Like, yeah, so I, I hope that people read the book and again, um, not only find it helpful in trying to understand the culture around them, 
using the framework. Mm-hmm. But actually, at the end of the book, it's about applying it to our own hearts because mm. we we Amen. get pulled away by other things that would say that there are other way better ways to connect than Jesus mm. or or there are other ways of deliverance. So I think we need to apply it to ourselves. But then my hope is that we need to be working together. I mean, my my dream for the book is that people in churches would meet together, read the book together, and then say, okay, where where we are in our context, how does this work out where we are? And how might this affect the way that we um do witnessing in the community? Or how might mm. if I'm a pastor, how might it affect my preaching? There's a there's a there's an appendix on how do we how do we preach using the magnetic points. So that's my my dream abraham i think would be that people take the book and together in in our local communities we can work out how what does this mean for me where i am at this particular point in my life in our context and that that i I hope then this is a framework and it is a framework like any kind of scaffold it, it will fall away and then you're just doing what you're doing but hopefully it's a for people who do feel confused or, you know, they don't, they, they find it hard to understand what's going on in the world or they, they can't find traction. I hope this would give them that traction that they're looking for to be able to say something relevant about Christ. Yeah. And, and I, and that's a really good point. I really hope, uh, ladies and gentlemen out there, you get the book, uh, read it. And, you know, for our church leaders, they do the same and grab a whole b- a bunch of guys, a bunch of girls, Go through the book together. I think the book is set up very well for that. That I really appreciate. And that uh, I enjoy uh, here at Bridge, we go through books. You know, uh, we go through books of the Bible and we go through books of other authors as a group. And I find that very engaging because people have questions. And in a group setting, uh, hopefully you can get the different just perspective and ideas of what people are thinking um, when they're reading a book or reading your book and kind of flush those things out, um, you know, somehow. And, and, and I really, really love that for sure. And I and please go get the book and do that. <laughs> but yeah. Um, Dan, uh, Romans 10, 14 says, how then would they call on him who they've not believed and how would they believe in him who they've not heard and how would they hear without a preacher? Can you share the gospel with our worldwide audience today? Yeah. So I would, I would love people. Maybe you've not thought about, or you don't, you've got a particular opinion about who Jesus is. Um, I think I would want you to recognize that whether you like it or not, um, especially in, in our Western culture, Jesus Christ has been the predominant figure who shaped our culture. And even even to reject Christianity, I still think you need some of the tools that Christianity gives us in terms of our understanding of what culture is. And I'd really encourage you to read a gospel. Go to Mark's gospel or John's gospel and just uh, um, read about who this person Jesus is. And again, if or some of the things that we've been talking about today, our deepest longings, our desire for connection, um, our need to think that we know that the world isn't right and we need deliverance from it. This question of, is anyone in control? There are hundreds and thousands of people who have realised um, that actually it's Jesus and the Christian message is, is, is the way that that can be answered. Um, and that actually we have been running away from God. God has created us in his image. We've turned from him and Jesus calls us. There's a great, there's a great, um, uh, 
uh, passage in the book of Jeremiah in the Bible that talks about God's people. And they've done, they says that they've done two things. They've turned from the fount of living water and they've turned to cracked pots that cannot hold water. And I, w- I wonder whether people listening, maybe you think your life is a bit like a cracked pot. You're trying to, you're trying to lick up kind of water and it's, it's, it's just not, something's wrong. It's not working. There's a sense of dissatisfaction. Um, and I just say, um, why don't you look at the person of Jesus, what he's offering, this fount of living water? Mm. Um, and I think for many of us, for thousands, millions of people throughout history and, and across the world, um, the, the the answers that Jesus gives, uh, the solution he has, the fact that uh, the lifestyle and the fact that he is one who, who dies for those who deserve death, um, and if we come to him in faith and repentance, we can find life. And um, all those magnetic points, all those um, itches that I've been talking about um, ca- can be kind of dealt with. So why don't you try them out? Why don't you read a gospel, talk to, and then find someone who you know who's a Christian and just ask them what it would mean to become part of uh, a fellowship to learn more about Jesus. Amen. And Jesus is great for sure. Our Lord and savior. Um Dan, Daniel, thank you for coming on to Bridge Radio the first time. I really enjoyed that uh, podcast. I really wish we could cont- continue talking. You know, like if I'm ever in, in out, out there in England, I, I have to come and visit you. I don't care if you don't want to, but I'll, I'll hunt you. <laughs> I, I, I'll have, hunt you been, have you been to the UK before? Have you come I, to the UK before? I have never been to the UK before. I have been to Ireland, um, but oh, okay. that that's the extent of my European travels uh, so far. But oh, well, yeah. I, You'd be you'd be very welcome if if, if you're ever over here. Um, yeah. Well, I, I look forward to it. Again, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that is uh, Dr. Daniel Strange, Dr. Dr. Daniel Stephen Strange, <laughs> uh, yes. making faith magnetic. Um, five hidden theme of our culture can't stop talking about and how we can connect them to Christ by the Good Book Company. Please, guys, go get the book and. Uh, Dan, where, where, Daniel, where can our people find you? If you want to be found, I always say this, uh, social media, (laughs) website, uh, how to connect with you. Uh, yeah. So, um, at Dr. Dan Strange is my, uh, uh, Twitter handle. Uh, I'm the director of something called Crosslands Forum, which is a center for cultural engagement and missional innovation. We're putting on loads of kind of lectures and talks in various areas, engaging culture. Um, we're currently doing a guided reading on another great book called Thinking Through Creation by Chris Watkin. We've got some Americans who are, who are joining us for that. That's oh. how, what Zoom allows. So please, uh, um, check out the website. If you just type in Crosslands, um, uh, and, and the bit that i run is called crosslands forum um uh so check us out and um yeah happy to engage with people on, on, on the book uh, especially thank you well there he goes guys thank you for coming on we really appreciate it well ladies and ladies and gentlemen that concludes this week episode with daniel strange or dr dr daniel stephen strange uh that was fun just uh, uh talking about that uh his book making faith magnetic five hidden themes of our culture uh, can't stop talking about and how to connect them to Christ by the good book company guys that was a really fun podcast I really enjoyed that Uh, I appreciate that uh, Dan was able to make those connections and again guys go and get the book because we did not touch on a lot of the 
um, uh, magnetic points, you know. And and again, we want you to go get the book. We want you to go grab a group of uh, brothers and sisters in Christ and go through the book together and ask those questions, right? Um, especially if you're, I think, if you guys are in a a urban setting, a big city where we're going to see a lot of just uh, multicultural uh, uh, influences, also just a, a, a lot of different ethnicities where can you imagine, you know, a, a church filled with different people group makes for a very interesting conversation in a group, you know, um, and, and, and it all points to Christ, right? Because that's uh, that's the goal right is to point uh people to christ and, and let the lord do his work in that so again uh, making faith magnetic by daniel strange uh it, it was forwarded by tim keller so uh by the good book company uh please don't forget to follow us on facebook instagram twitter and youtube and like we always like to end our show right what is your only comfort in life and in death that I am not my own, but belong body, soul, in life, and in that to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Till next week, guys.